This is the Inspiring Learning Podcast. My name is Nathaniel Troop. On this podcast, I have conversations with educators, librarians, and individuals who are inspiring learning in the classroom and beyond. Today, I have a conversation with Kyle Cornforth. Kyle is the Executive Director of Maker Ed, an organization located in the Bay Area that supports maker education across the country. You may have heard of maker education or makerspace and may know there's a lot of talk about making, but wonder what is a makerspace? What is its purpose or goals? Is it effective? Is it something that I can do as a librarian, teacher, or a school? And how do I get started? In today's conversation, Kyle addresses these questions and provides guidance and points us to resources for effective making and education. Stay tuned. I come from a background in food education. So I spent 20 years in the school garden movement, in um, nutrition education, and in school lunch reform work. So in that context, I was looking at and working with how do we teach kids about where food comes from? How do we teach kids about wellness? And, um, and how do we ensure that kids who are eating lunch at school are getting access to fresh and healthy and good food, not not the sort of vegetable, you know, ketchup is a vegetable food. <laughs> um, and I learned about making as an act in um, at a conference in 2015 in, at the South by Southwest conference. And I sort of was following the rollout and the implementation of it. And um, when I saw the job for Maker Ed in um, late 2017, I thought, you know, the things that we've been doing in the food movement in education, the sort of how do you shift a system from the inside, but to integrate and align with the system of education, I thought it would be really applicable. And and making with the, in, the inclusion of science and technology um, workforce development, some of the like really big problems that we're grappling with as a society, um, that maker education was sort of tackling those seemed really interesting to me. So I made the jump to come and work with Maker Ed. Yeah. What is makerspace? Um, a makerspace is any place where someone can engage in the act of making something. And it can mean that it's a garden where people are growing food. It can mean it's a kitchen where people are cooking. Um, the application of it in schools is often that there is an actual physical location where um, there are tools and materials and equipment for students to engage in the act of making. Um, and I will say that for us at Maker Ed, the most important thing about the space of making is the practice of making and not so much what the tools, equipment, and materials are, rather that there's a pedagogy involved in um, how do you get kids to be engaged in their learning in a hands-on way where they are driving their own inquiry, asking questions, collaborating, finding the resources that they need to order in order to complete their project or a task. Um, the teacher becomes a lot more of a guide and a coach, making sure kids are being safe and being respectful to each other. 
Um, but that there are some pedagogical approaches embedded in making as an educational stance that allows for um, teachers to um, to step back a little and to let kids have more agency and be in charge a little bit more of their own learning. It sounds like it is, um, well, let me ask you, is it something that we attach to the current way that um, the, the current model of education right now, or is it a new approach to education? That's a, I would say that's yes and. Okay. I think uh, it's super clear to anyone who looks closely at data of, of test scores, data of student you know, absenteeism, graduation rates, um, workforce development, that the current model of education is not working as well as it should be. It's not delivering on the promise of opportunity for all, education for all, quality education for all. And so I think making as a pet, making as an act is not something that's new. It's something that is as old as humanity. Um, and the approach of it in an educational context, there are, there are other educational theories and theorists that I think making draws from. So um, uh, Montessori is one that I can refer to, the Waldorf model, um, Piaget, and um, different theorists who have said that through research and observation that kids and, and kids are inherently learners and that what school does is actually it is a, a form of teaching kids to conform and not so much teaching kids to think critically or be creative or to maintain the things about them that are curious and engaged and ask questions. And if you look at a toddler who's learning, they're, they're all over the place. They're touching the blinds. And if you look at parents, we're constantly like, no, 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 no. So we take these systems and we say to kids, like, okay, you have to act in a certain way. And then we wonder why at the end of that system, they're not able to think creatively. It's like, we actually designed the system that way. So I think what making is, is a, is a, a invigorated attempt to walk back from school is about conformity and to infuse school with a sense of play and a sense of discovery and a sense of um, wonder and an ability to um, to follow what's curious to you and not to stay so much in one lane. Can making then be applied to every discipline, every subject in school? We believe that making can be applied to every every discipline. And actually, we believe that making is actually a potential bridge between disciplines, that if you are um, building something, whether it's a, um, you know, if you're making something out of cardboard, if you're sewing a, um, a scene from a book, if you're, there's all kinds of ways that um, making can draw in something from math, something from engineering, something from history, and that you, we can blend learning in a way that um, puts things in a little bit more in context for kids. Mm -hmm. It's not so siloed. Yeah. And also you can see the cross applicability of learning. So you really know that someone knows a thing if they're able to transfer that knowledge to a different context. So making is a really good tool and strategy for that because it affords kids an opportunity to knit together what they already know mm -hmm. with things that they're mm -hmm. still learning. Mm -hmm. What is Maker Ed? Maker Ed is a nonprofit organization. We're based in the Bay Area in California, but we're a national 
organization and essentially we are a training and support organization so our mission is to harness the potential of making to transform what teaching and learning can look like and we do that through um, mostly professional development support and training for educators and we define educators as anyone who's in any kind of environmental con- or learning context so librarians museum educators out of school educators you know, formal classroom teachers, pre-K. We have partnerships at universities as well. Um, And we have trainings and workshops that we do. We have online learning that's free. We have a 30-month deep dive program that's called Making Spaces, and it's an institutional support program that's based on a regional hub model. We have 21 hubs across the country who are working with schools to integrate maker education and um, we look at community and culture, pedagogy and practice and sustainability and growth are the three big goals of that 30 month engagement. And then we have an online advocacy program that's called Maker Promise. Um, So we look at, you know, how do we train, how do we support, how do we convene and how do we help people feel a part of something that's really asking and seeking for big systemic change. Mm -hmm. What's, what is the hub? What does that mean? A hub is an institution that wants to work with us to support schools in their area. So for instance, we have a hub in Denver, it's the Denver Public Library. So we support them through training and professional development and then they in turn support 10 schools in Denver who are working on maker education. So instead of um, a a national organization sort of coming in and saying, okay, we're going to like implement this program for you, we go where we're invited or asked to go and then we support the capacity development in that location and we don't sort of drop in and drop out. Yeah, yeah. So what does it mean when a hub supports schools? What is what is, what does that support look like? So that support tends to look like visioning, um, getting stakeholder buy-in, getting people on the same page. We try and get people away from the champion model where there's one really engaged and excited teacher or librarian who's like making it happen, but that we have administrators who are on board, parents who are on board, that there's a sort of broader stakeholder engagement um we support the the hubs train teachers on pedagogy and practice so like i've said you know making is not so much about what tools you have but what you're doing with the tools and how you're asking students to engage with the tools so our hubs support the sites through pd and um, trainings and hands-on workshops so that they can help the teachers who are trying to implement maker education in their classroom so for educators or schools um, that are interested in making but don't know how to get started, what is your advice? Um, well, we have a suite of tools. So our advice right now is to visit our resource library and to look at the suite of tools. We have a module that's called Getting Started. And in the Getting Started module, there will be a series of inquiry questions that we want you to explore either with a team, I mean, best case scenario is that you're with a team, or if you're doing it alone, then you know you would explore them by yourself. But um, we really ask people to think from the beginning, what are your goals? Why are you doing this? What are the values of the program that you wanna develop? Why? What are the learning outcomes? Where are your resources? We ask people to do some com- community and asset mapping. We ask people to think about 
where their stakeholders are and who they have as stakeholders who are like ready to be in on it or who need more cultivation. And, um, and then we ask people to, um, to try like sort of low risk engagements with kids. So here's some small things you could start doing. Um, we d do not encourage people to s uh, outfit a slick maker space and then expect that people will come and know how to use it. Yeah. We ask people to really um, engage at the school from the get-go with everybody and to see as you go what tools and materials you might decide that you want to buy, but that should be based not on anyone's preconceived notion of like what's in a makerspace and more on as you evolve as a group what you think you want to have in your in your space or if you don't want to have a location that everyone goes to maybe you decide you want a cart maybe you decide you want every classroom to have a makerspace element to it um there's lots of ways that people i think even surprise themselves once they once they follow our inquiry about um, what they end up with, because I think most people come into it with, oh, we're going to have this room and it's going to have a 3D printer and it's going to have uh, a CNC machine and it's going to be great. And yes, that will be great. And there's there's other considerations too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What are the biggest hurdles to makerspace? Um, so some some critical hurdles are um, training and comfort for teachers, just in the technical stuff. So if you are using high-tech equipment, um, most people who are in the teaching profession haven't been trained on those things. Um, so some of the technology and the skills um, are a challenge. Um, a big challenge is administrative buy-in. Uh, getting principals and administrators, school boards to say, this sounds like a good idea and we can get behind this. Um, a, a sort of narrative around maker education is that it's play and that it's not rigorous. And so kind of having a, to debunk preconceived notions about what maker education is. Um, a big challenge with our field, I think, is that we haven't, we haven't validated the case if, as effectively as we could to show the impact of why maker education is an effective tool. So that's, I think, more on us than it is on how other people perceive maker education. I think that we as a field have work to do around the impact of maker ed. Space, materials, you know, resources for um, purchasing materials, those are also very real barriers. And then um, you know, teacher capacity is also a huge barrier. So um, we do not have a great track record, I think, of treating our educators with um, the, the respect that they deserve. Teachers work incredibly hard. They're incredibly overtaxed. Mm -hmm. And uh, many teachers feel like, well, this is just something else that you're asking me to do. It's an on top of. So helping teachers see that in some cases... Um, this approach makes teaching easier because it's a way less of a stand and deliver model. Those are, I think, are the main big hurdles. Yeah. So you talked about the um, the impact on education and how you're trying to do better with that. Is there a place for educators to go to look at the results? 
There's lots of different pieces of research about the, the effectiveness of maker education, particularly as an approach for um, engaging marginalized populations and to diversify the workforce and specifically in tech. So, um, you know, making it accessible, making STEM and the idea of going into STEM fields more accessible for girls and for learners of color um, is there's a there's a body of research around that. Um, we do have a section in our resource library that sort of aggregates some of the research that we think is really useful for for case making. Um, we also have a bunch of different resources and projects that we've done over the past around pushing what assessment looks like. So instead of you know saying okay we're going to look at a summative assessment at the end that's based on a multiple choice test and maybe a writing prompt we are looking at how do you assess learning in a process way and along the way and how do you also engage students in that so we have two projects that we've worked on one is called open portfolios Um, the other is called beyond rubrics and both of those are looking at in classroom assessment and how we might move away from putting everything on that end of the year test Mm -hmm. Um, that once a year snapshot that in some cases really tests how well you can take a multiple choice test, right? So um, trying to broaden what assessment even looks like and what that conversation looks like, I think is part of it. Yeah. So where can um, people find out more? If you want to learn more, definitely visit our website, makered.org. And uh, I would suggest coming to one of our events. So we have a meetup. We have meetups that are around um, the Bay Area and all around the country. So um, finding other maker educators who you can learn from. We have a convening in the fall of every year. So if you wanted to do a a two-day deep dive into what maker education is and what the community looks like, you could do that. there's a, a suite of articles on our resource library if you want to kind of dive in from the kind of reading about the movement and the maker movement and make and how this got integrated into schools into the, in the first place, I would go there. Um, and, you know, if you're a, a teacher or a parent who's interested in figuring out how to get something started in your school, I would definitely suggest that, you know, you take a step and ask your principal if they're interested and that Maker Ed as an organization and there are other organizations like us um, are willing to help figure out how to support whatever it is that you want to do. Great. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. I want to thank Kyle for having a conversation with me about Makerspace and the work she and Maker Ed are doing to support this approach to engage kids in learning. As she mentioned, visit makered.org for information and articles on making, and check out the Getting Started link for resources for those new to making or interested in learning more about what making is and its potential impact in education. You can also find practical, concrete ways for integrating making into education. If you're at that point where you are looking for items to support making in the classroom or library, Fall at partners with dozens of maker vendors from no-tech, low-tech, and high-tech items, all of which can be easily found on tidalwave.com. And of course, if you'd like to have a conversation about aligning items and resources to your goals, themes, or units of study, feel free to reach out to me. 
I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'm always looking for suggestions and inspiring individuals to learn from, so don't hesitate to contact me. If you don't already have my contact information, I can be reached through inspiringlearningpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.